Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, this week has come with an interview that I've been trying to get on the schedule a couple of times, and we finally got it down. Uh, today's guest, he is an entrepreneur and a public speaker. He's the owner of GMAK, Industrial Burner Services, and the host of the Traded Life Podcast. Please, welcome to the show, Greg Michaelman. What's up, brother? How are you, man? We're finally here, bro. I, I we know. We made man. it happen. <laughs> it took long enough. It took long enough. We've been, uh, I think sure. this has been rescheduled like three times now. So I'm super, super glad you're on the show, my friend. Appreciate you, man. Um, I'm happy dude, to be here. Where, where is that accent from? That's a strong accent. Me, you got. New York, bro. <laughs> I got a weird mix because I work in Brooklyn and I'm, I'm in the city, really, but I'm from Long Island. So I have a, almost been kind of like merged into a long island new york city accent over the years so uh yeah man but to, long to, island. dude to the guy from england you sound like you're straight out of the movies i love it <laughs> that's what everybody says so, it's kind of funny actually like real quick because like you you're pretty much a rock star and i'm, I'm quite happy you're, you're on the show really but super quick okay. give us a quick rundown of of who you are real quick and, and what you do up there in uh, in brooklyn so um like you said, my name's Greg Michaelman. I live on Long Island. I got a wife, two kids, two dogs, regular, you know, living that uh, the American dream, right? You know, I don't have a white picket fence, although actually I do. Uh, <laughs> but um, I run a, a pretty large uh, plumbing and heating company, and we work on pretty big boilers. So we're, we're an industrial uh, burner company. Mm -hmm. So we work on multifamily dwellings, anywhere from like 20 families. I have buildings that eight, have 800 plus family uh, rental units in it. Wow. That's so a working on pretty large though. equipment. Yeah, yeah, it's dope. I love it. I love it. Traffic sucks. That's the downside. But uh, <laughs> in a nutshell, that's what we do. And we're we're hot water and heating specialists. So we, we dissect a lot of big problems that people are having. And um, we got a pretty large portfolio, man. We're servicing right now, I think a little over 400 buildings throughout the five boroughs. Wow. Um, and we're, we're still growing. And uh, yeah, man, I'm super grateful. It's been a lot of, it's been a journey and a half to be, to, to get here, man. It's, uh, you know, you and I have had conversations on the side, but I, yeah. you know, I basically come from nothing. I mean, I grew up in a good family, but, uh, they took care of me. They, they worked hard, but I, at 17 or 18 or so, I was kind of out on my own. And so it's just been a long journey, bro. I was, I was uh, homeless, broke. And now, you know, running a multi-million dollar company, it's kind of surreal, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's why that's why we're on the show, man. That's I want to share your story with the uh, with the audience and let them know that, you know, the kind of guys I have on here, the kind of entrepreneurs that, that I get to talk to have been broke. And they know what it's like to have to make the decision between paying the light bill and putting more money into ad spend and stuff like that. So. Tell us, Greg, start at the beginning. Tell us about your journey into entrepreneurship and how you started to come about owning a business. I mean, the truth is, even as a young kid, like I was the guy who had lemonade stands on the corner. You know, it was always, you know, like it's funny now looking back on it. I didn't really think much of it when I was younger because you don't really know much about this. But as I've gotten older and look back at my history, 
you know, I was always looking at the best ways to make a buck, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can you do that? You know, my parents, to their credit, even with all the shit that went down, were never like ones to spoil. So I always had to have work ethic and understand, you know, what a dollar was all about. So in the earlier years, when I found myself out of the house, even slightly before, you know, I got into drug dealing, to be completely honest with you, that was my first bout with entrepreneurship and understanding. I mean, it's, it's, it's typically it, a business, right? You is, know, you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's a not, a, it's not the business around. everybody gets into, but you know, that was kind of my first business that I ran, you know, I had to keep, keep books and, and understand, uh, paying for products and things like that. So I was able to take that kind of with me. Uh, it took me a long time to actually start my own business, like real business. Mm-hmm. Um, actually wasn't up until about three plus years ago, I was working in the same business I'm in now, but I was working for my family. That's how I learned the business. My family, mm-hmm. I, after all the shit and all the dust settled in our relationships, we kind of came back together uh, around 14 or so years ago and I started working for my stepfather and that's how I learned the plumbing company. I was supposed to take over his business. So I learned and was basically running his company for a while. That's mm-hmm. how I learned. But then we had a falling out and then I started my own company. But, you know, it's it it's always been like kind of deep seated in me to have my own company. I've always been doing things that were entrepreneurial. I wasn't a serial entrepreneur. I didn't have a bunch of businesses. Mm-hmm. But I had it in me, and it just when the time came, I, I struck, and here we are. So you you had, like, a regular job until it was that time, right? Yeah, man. I mean, before I got into plumbing and heating, I was building houses. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it my own business, but I did a lot of side work. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my own tools. I had my own transportation. Um, so I would take on side jobs and meet different clients and things like that. But for the most part, yeah, I was working nine to fives and, and collecting paychecks like most people, you know, and... Uh, so I've been in the grind uh, my whole life. So, I mean, I see it from both sides. So like, you know, talking to your audience, it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if today you're sitting here working a nine to five, if you have an idea, you know, right now, especially right in the world we live in with social media and everything else, the time couldn't be, you couldn't find a better time to start a business. There's so many ideas. There's so much opportunity. Agreed. I mean, yeah. I'm not that old, but I still come from a time where we had flip phones. We didn't have the internet the way we have it now, right? So, you know. It's at your fingertips if you are willing to do the work, and that's what it comes down to. But that's the big thing I notice now about the newer generations. Not everybody. I've met some that are hardworking, but a lot of when people realize the amount of work that goes into running a company, um, and some people multiple companies, um, as we were just discussing <laughs> before we hopped on here, because yeah. I've had multiple companies at one time. But what I will say about multiple companies at one time, make sure your main gig is locked in 100% before you go traveling off into some other things Just yeah service service yeah. uh service notice there for everybody <laughs> sounds like <laughs> i learned it sounds hard like it came from experience <laughs> yeah for sure bro but uh, i mean you're right though um i mean i i want to touch for a minute on your your history as an entrepreneur and having multiple businesses going on because i think if a lot of people realized how hard this was they wouldn't get started but once you realize how rewarding it is you can never quit you know what was it like making that leap from being in an office to being like right it's my name on the door now i'm in charge how did that go for you i mean truthfully it's scary as fuck at first (laughs) it really is because you know especially coming from where i came from 
uh, working with family and stuff, you know, they, they had one perception of what it was like to run a company and, and they tried to instill it in me. But in reality, I didn't see it the same way. So, and in reality, and I, to be, to be truthful with you, I took on a partner like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And, and really two reasons. One, I had a little fear in me. I'm not going to lie. I had a little fear about taking that leap alone. And I also didn't have the financial backing that I thought I would need for a right. company like this. And so, the guy that I partnered up with happened to work in the office in the same business that I was in prior. So he had a lot of the um, paperwork experience, mm-hmm. the things that are needed on the other side of the business. I was more of the mechanical guy. So you start thinking, this is my yang to my yang. This is how we're going right, to make right. it happen. But um, yeah, I was scared, man. I mean, it's like a good scared, though, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. I'm about to take this leap. Like, this is big. This could be huge yeah and this could fuck me too but the only <laughs> thing for me you know the truth is like and and that's why you know i'll be honest with you when i think back and and, and again for your listeners like if you're in a nine to five and you have experience the problem is a lot of guys will tell you don't think about a fallback right like we shouldn't be getting into a business to say well if it doesn't work i still have this right so i wasn't really thinking that way i think i'm going all in on this shit. but in the back of my mind i said you know what if for some reason this shit completely crashes and burns i still have a ton of experience like i'm a mechanic in my business they're a, they're very hard to find yeah so i will have opportunities in other places now but i didn't want that and i completely dropped the thought and just went all into business but i knew that i had that so you there is a little bit of a safety net there you shouldn't think like that but I, I in the beginning that's how i thought i'm like you know what? what's the worst thing that happens this thing goes to shit and i'll find myself in a six-figure company well, you should you do know? like that though like i think what stops a lot of people jumping is is they're scared when they don't realize that the worst thing that can possibly happen is they lose a little time they lose a little money and they end up right back where they are and you know if you stay where you are you're not really making the best use of your time and you're not really making as much money as you can make either so the gamble always seems to pay off but it, it's it's a there's a net negative to the situation you can't go downhill from from where you're at for giving it a try and i think i think a lot of people lose sight of that i agree you know to add on to that too bro like the experience that you would get right like let's just say for argument's sake i'm three and plus years in my business and everything mm-hmm. just crashed to the ground tomorrow the amount of opportunity the amount of education that i've gotten over the last three plus years is invaluable you can't put a price on that exactly because at three plus years now i would easily be able to turn around and start another company i just mm-hmm. would know what not to do <laughs> that's how it works True, like and if i didn't pull the trigger and i didn't jump in i wouldn't fucking know yeah and that's the thing people have to understand like everybody's so and it's funny i did a post the other day um i would like did a recording of myself on a zoom call with a couple other people but we were talking about the fear people have and and how everybody wants it to be perfect like we're all looking for the perfect scenario and everything has to be set up right and all the money has to be there and all this mm-hmm. shit and the problem is people don't never pull the trigger because you're looking for that perfect moment to strike and the mm-hmm. truth is just fucking go for it yeah like you just said what is the worst fucking thing that's going to happen to you you're going to gain experience and it may not work out mm-hmm. but think of the Instead of thinking that way, think of the other way. If it does work out. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I went from a guy being paid $100,000 a year, and that's a whole nother conversation, to pulling in 
you know, our company did, I don't know, somewhere around 2.8, 2.9 million last year. And mm-hmm. our margins are stupid. So, you know, I had a very successful year and that would never have been possible had I just sat there and been like, ah, this is going to be hard. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Fuck that. No, Go I agree for with it, you. man. Like, we got one life to live. You know, it's, it's so cliche. People always say YOLO. I started bringing YOLO back because it's true, man. You get one. Sh- we have one chance. Yeah. It's and it can be taken from you like this, you know. I mean, whatever everybody believes about what just happened over the last two, three years, I'm not gonna get into the politics of it. But the truth is, we've all lost people, one mm-hmm. way or another, either mentally or physically. People, people we know have died. I mean, your life yeah. is not promised. Your next day is not promised. So why the fuck are you not gonna get up and make the best out of today that you possibly can? I agree a thousand percent dude i you know i've been to three fucking funerals this year and no weddings like (laughs) some changes when you get older yeah that's true too but yeah man but that's a perfect example man and that's you know for me that's why i train hard Mm -hmm. i'm in the gym six days a week i wanted i wanted to i wanted to ask you about that so let me let me fast forward to that um because i see your facebook posts i see you in the gym i see you getting lean and getting some muscle on you and you're looking you're looking great you know how did that come about were, were you like kind of like the rest of us and got a little because me i got a little i didn't get a little bit fat i got a lot fat and i got a lot alcoholic and you know i'm i'm in the shape i'm in now because i'm if i don't go to the gym guess what i'll, I'll be fat and alcoholic again but but how did it happen for you is it, is it a lifelong habit or is it something that you found as you got older no nah, it's funny there is actually a specific story that started the journey i went away with my family about i want to say five years ago four years ago we went on a family trip mm-hmm. and we're out by the pool and you know my brother's five years old i have a brother who's five years older than me and you know the guy was like taking care of himself and he was working out and he started changing his eating habits and the guy looked great and i'm like holy fuck like you look great like i'm i and i'm and i'm walking around here and i feel like a fat fucking slob mm-hmm. and i'm at the pool for a seven day trip and I felt completely shitty the whole time. We were eating buffet. I was just stuffing my face. And I came home. I looked in the mirror. I weighed myself. I was about 255 pounds. The high, the, the heaviest I ever weighed. Now how tall are you? I used to get to like 235. And I'd be like, fuck this. I'm gaining too much weight. Mm-hmm. Um. So when, I, so when that happened, I just automatically made the decision. I mean, and it took me a little while to really get super consistent where i'm like if i miss three days i'm like panicking Mm -hmm. like i would miss a month but then i'd get right back to it so probably for the last like three years i've been 100 percent just dialed into making sure i don't miss workouts and 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 you know trying to be as consistent as i possibly can listen we're all human beings no i'm not a robot i mean i fucking have days or weeks where i'm not feeling it but you know doing something i mean i see you were doing 75 hard and so I've yes, and that's another thing I've done along the way. I've done seventy five hard three times. I finished, um, I, felt, it, I finished it this time. <laughs> I finished so it this now time. I saw and that's yeah. awesome, bro. I mean it's and, <laughs> it's, it, and it's such a it is really hard. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I fell just short of finishing the whole program. I got through phase one and phase two last year. And phase three, again, I went on a family trip and I was like, you know what, man? want to live my life too you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i just was supposed to start phase three as i went away for a seven-day trip with my entire family i was like you know what i'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the day i mean as much i'm i was so disciplined and i'm like fuck it 
it doesn't mean <laughs> that much to me to yeah. finish it. I want to at yeah. least go. I didn't go crazy, but I still want to just go enjoy myself, have a drink or two or eat what I wanted, you know what I mean, while we were away. So I fell short. But yeah, man, it's um, it's been a game changer, bro. I mean, I, I still haven't dialed in my nutrition 100%, and that's mm-hmm. been one of my downsides. That's most of us, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, man, I've been training like crazy um, for for a few years. But that was that was the the turning point for me. I'm like, this is disgusting. I feel like a slob, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. You know what I mean? And I just had to make the change. I had I had always worked out my whole life, but it would be like, you know, my, one of my boys and I would be, it'd be um, like February. It'd be like, man, the summer's coming, bro. We gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta ramp up these workouts so we can have our summer bodies it was so stupid but you know and so we'd work out for like three or four months and i'd look decent for the Mm -hmm. summer and then summer would pass and i'd just shovel food in my face for the next like four months five months again and we do it all over again (laughs) well that's that's kind of what hoodies are for so let's you get that little bit of winter for sure bro especially in the northeast you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah so would would you say to the guys listening because i definitely um got a lot of mental clarity and discipline off of finishing 75 hard that I wasn't expecting to get. Would would you recommend that the guys listening give it a try? Was it something that you found helpful as well? Or? Oh, my God, yeah. Without question. I mean, not even 75 hard. I mean, it's not for everybody, but, I mean, if you have – if you're willing to give it a shot, yeah, it's a game changer. And, I, and I'll tell you one of the things for me that's um, that's so important about it is that it lets you realize how much wasted time you – like in a day right because you have to focus on all these elements to get them all finished throughout the day so it helps me focus in between the times i'm working out making sure i'm getting my water doing all the things i have to do but also getting my work done and then Mm -hmm. getting my second workout in so it keeps you way more regimented but what i will say also to people that that's something i live and die by is my morning routine is like one of the most sacred things i have i'm up Dude, take us more, through that. Yeah, take us yeah, through Yeah, I mean, I'm routine. up more or less the same time every day, depending. Like, if I have meetings and stuff, I'll get up slightly earlier so I can get to the gym a little earlier. But generally speaking, I'm up at about 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I feed my dogs, make myself a cup of coffee. I read my book. I make some posts on social media. I get that stuff out of the way early. And then I hit the gym. So from the time I wake up from about 5 to roughly 9 o'clock, maybe 8.30, Mm-hmm. For about three and a half hours is me time yeah like no one is awake yet in my house now the kid my kids are a little older they're starting to go to school so by the mm-hmm. time i'm walking out of the house they're kind of like rolling downstairs but it's my quiet time to get my head right and to be honest with you when you talk to normal when i say normal people but <laughs> you know like almost civilians you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. in another bracket yeah. but i get more shit done by nine o'clock than some people do in their entire fucking day oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. from a productions perspective so it's so important to dial that doesn't mean you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning but it depends on what your schedule looks like for me my days start early so i like to be mm-hmm. up early i've always been an early an early uh riser and i don't sleep that great and it's always been a problem for me but um so yeah getting up and getting my shit started and getting and that was the beautiful thing for me with 75 hard because by the time nine o'clock rolled around i already read my book Mm-hmm. I already got a workout in. I already drank half to three quarters of the water I need to drink. Like most of my shit is done already yeah. by nine. So all I have to worry about is drinking the rest of my water. The eating part, I would never had a problem with on 75 hard. I didn't even think twice about it. 
right. until the end. And you're like, oh, what am I going to eat when I get off this program? You know what I mean? Dude, like, I, I ate, like, for three days straight. And then I was like, you know what? None of this was really as much good as I had missed, you know? And I, I went back to I, – I'd pretty much just been eating clean ever since I ended 75 Hard. I, I set aside a weekend to go nuts, and I ate all the cake. And I'm like, man, I feel really sick. Um, you know, like so, shit, right? Yeah, my, my yeah. food – my food has stayed really constant after finishing the program. I've, I've pretty much stayed on, on a dialed-in kind of diet. That is easy awesome. to cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what else is nice, too? Like, I don't know if this happened to you, but I know the first time I was never really big with, like, cooking with spices and stuff. I don't like spicy shit. Mm-hmm. But because I started eating so clean and, like, your food is not it's as flavorful as you make it, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I started using so much more spice and different things and my like my yeah. taste buds almost change over that 75 days because I'm not eating junk and I'm not eating anything processed and everything just kind of shifts a little bit. The only I, I only have one disclaimer for people that I feel is a negative in the program. I get why they do it, but the no cheat meals and all that stuff is it makes sense. But for most of us, me included, it's like you see for you, you did it right. You're like, come out of it, you eat some shit, and then you're like, oh man, I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. But a lot, but it's it's such deprivation that for most of us, because our diets usually consist of some artificial shit in it, that's just America for you. Um, I just think that's one flaw. It's not a, it's it's designed the way it's designed for a reason. But for me, it's a flaw because I think a lot of people that deprivation when they come out of it, they just go right back to their yeah. old lifestyle times ten because you're like shoveling shit in because you haven't had it for seventy five fucking days. And then there's some people like you who do it for a couple of days and like, damn, I feel like shit, and just go mm-hmm. right back to well, you, know, you know where you were during it. Not that, like, I know, I know this sounds this sounds off. It sounds off color. But as as you as you start to make money and there's just you at the house, um, it's quite easy to go and eat out every single freaking meal. You eat out for breakfast, you eat out for lunch, you eat out for, for dinner. Um, you know, oftentimes lunch and dinner, you'll wrap up around business meetings and you're doing stuff, but it's three meals a day that you're eating out. And so I had no freaking idea how much money I was spending on food. And now I'm cooking, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 ounces of meat every single day and fresh vegetables and stuff and i'm looking down and i'm i'm spending you know 10 15 bucks a day on food as opposed to 50 60 80 bucks a day eating out constantly and that's been one of the the real surprises of 75 hours how much money that you save on groceries and and actually quite how enjoyable it can be to cook from time to time you know so i don't disagree with you man i wasn't much of a cook but my wife has told me a lot and yeah, I mean, the same thing. What's funny is that, like, the barbecue business I had, because I had to shoot a lot of content, mm-hmm. same thing. I had to get into the kitchen. I had to get into the barbecue. I had to get into cooking more. You know, but the thing that gets overlooked a little bit, what you're saying, on top of the money thing, is that people don't realize how much shit they put in the food in the restaurant, how much salt and all the other things that are added into the food. You don't know the quality of the meat you're eating. Greg, so are, you, many are you shit talking Applebee's? Are you shit talking Applebee's right <laughs> yeah, now? <laughs> for sure, man. I mean, I know, I know where you're at. Maybe it's a little bit different out here. It's all shit food. I mean, there's some good restaurants. Don't get me wrong. New York has a lot of great places to eat, but people don't take into account those things. You think you're going to? You think you go to a restaurant, you're going to eat a piece of steak and get some vegetables? You know, the vegetables even are doused in butter mm-hmm. and all the shit. Like it's not healthy. You get what you would normally at home cook. 
would be maybe 1200 or whatever maybe 800 calories mm-hmm. in the restaurants like 15 or 1600 yeah. gets like double the calorie intake for the same fucking meal because of all the shit they're using in it so that's just a side note to the restaurant going because i agree with you when you look up and you've eaten your retirement you're like why why am i broke well let's take a look (laughs) 30 days a month at 60 dollars a day that's like almost two grand a month just eating out and so yeah you forget about that though when you have the you have the financial ability to go eat out the whole time it 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 gets very easy to get out of shape and uh, and get fat let's let's bounce back over to to business for a little bit i got a couple Mm -hmm. of business uh kind of questions i want to run by you and the 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 whole point of the small business surgeon podcast is to uh, is to educate and entertain the guys that are maybe just a few years behind us so i want to ask you about one time coming up either starting this business or transitioning through a business tell me about a failure or a difficult time that you went through and how you got around that um i had opened up maybe you would say somewhat prematurely a secondary business which was a barbecue sauce company that i started with a friend um you know the business model sounded good the idea behind it sounded good and as a lot of other people uh who deal with marketers got sold a bill of goods as well and we kind of bought into a dream (laughs) And, you know, the thing I can say to people, which is really important, one of the biggest lessons I learned is you cannot force or fast track a company past what the best way to say this. There are the right way of doing things and there's the wrong way of doing things. And if you try to speed up the process of Mm -hmm. getting from point A to point B, you're going to fall flat on your fucking face. You have to grow your business organically. You have got to do it the right way. And you have got to build a foundation that can withstand any type of growth or any type of movement. And in this particular business, I got sold on all this stuff and we spent money. We should never have spent without really fully educating ourselves. So it's as if the best way I can put this is to say, I tried in one year to do what it takes some people five to 10 years to do. So we tried to compress time by spending, spending, spending on different marketers, different things that we we didn't even have a social media following at the time. And we're trying to fast track the business. And unfortunately in this world, you can, and it was an e-commerce type of business, right? We had a Shopify store and that's where we were selling and we were selling um, subscription boxes. Okay. So like I said, the model was great Mm -hmm. and the idea was great. But we spent off the beginning was about 25 to 30 grand to work with what supposedly was one of these really high end marketing companies that were supposed to really put us on the map mm-hmm. ahead of schedule, per se. Okay. And it crashed and burned, man. I mean, what, what would you say the, mis- the mistake was? We probably should have, looking back on it, the best way to do it would have been to not hire any marketing. Mm hmm or at least at that level, um, save that money, put it into proper ad space, built up our social media first, mm-hmm. get a following, start talking to people, start creating relationships because we still did that. Right. But by the time we got to a point where there was some popularity behind it, not enough to run the company. Like we were constantly in the red all mm-hmm. the time. I am still to this day. I know the company's still open. 
um and it still has never hit the green and because we constantly were chasing that because i started off in the chase mm-hmm. we stayed chasing it the whole fucking time we didn't grow it organically where it just took off on its own and spend the money in the right places and be smart about how we built it it's like i tried to build a 10-year company in a year like i was trying to say before and it didn't work man i mean i i was fully overextended from a dollars and cents perspective i think i dropped about 40 or 50 grand into it oh, wow. never pulled a dollar out of it and it just for me crashed and burned and i got to a point where i was burned out over it because i was also and so this is what i said earlier in the podcast is that if you're not fully stable in your other business mm-hmm. now my other business does really well and i have a really good team and we 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 work really hard and technically it can run on its own, but I took my focus away from my main gig to put my focus into this gig, getting it off the ground. And, right, right. and, and I wasn't sinking the other company, but like in the last four months, since I've dove right back into my main business, I realized my absence from my other company, I grew the, you know, grew the other company. I, I couldn't even tell you how much money, you know, jobs we've sold and everything. Cause I, wasn't focused on it. I started focusing right, on this right. thing and it just, it all went to shit. So the truth is you just got to build your stuff properly and put the right people around you. You know what I mean? I didn't know anything about e-commerce. I didn't know anything about, you know, do your, do your research for sure. You know, I was saying before we were talking about just, just start, mm-hmm. but you should have an idea of what the fuck you're doing too. I mean, don't <laughs> just start and be an asshole, you know, and, and, and run with it. You know what I mean? You got to have some education on what you're doing. And some understanding of what you're doing. I didn't know anything about barbecue sauce. I mean, just to, to be real with you, like it wasn't my idea. It was brought to me and I jumped in because I was sold on it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I, it wasn't originally my plan. Like my friend wanted to start this company and then he didn't have the funding to really get it off the ground. So I came in as a as the majority partner, uh, even though we were 50-50, but majority from a dollars and cents perspective. And I got sold down the river, man. And I, I would, if I had to do, but again, you know, back to what I said before, the truth is every, with every failure in our life, right. It's not just business, every failure you've ever had, every failure I've ever had, I've learned something from it. Oh yeah. And I take it to the next thing, you know, even when I was broke and poor and fucking going through the ringer, I've learned so many lessons from that. That's all stuff I carry. You carry it with you everywhere you go. It doesn't go away. So, and so what you dropped, what you dropped 50 grand. Okay, so probably a little less, but in that in that so, area. All right, yeah. so let, let, let's ballpark it, and and just say that's the that's the price of entry, because seven out of every ten of these business ideas that we toss fifty grand in will ultimately fail, but the three that don't will produce so many fifty grands. I mean, it's not like it's not like you you hit one home run with it. You hit a home run, it'll pay out a thousand times what you put in. So I guess that's, that's the price of entry to entrepreneurship, isn't it? uh, Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, I guess in some way I'm a little naive because the first company I technically started that was an official business took off within the first two years. So maybe in my mind, I'm like, well, this is easy. (laughs) No, seriously, because if I would have crashed and burned on my first attempt, I would have been a little bit smarter about entering my second attempt. 
No, I wouldn't have been so. That's that's very yeah. True, this is yeah. cool. We got this shit. You know what I mean? I got this locked down. I've done this before. Instead, mm-hmm. of, that's the attitude I walked into it with. I'm like, fuck! I already got a multi million dollar company. How hard is this? Got to be so easy. Honestly, that's what caused. That's what caused my big big crash. Was it was I'd done it successfully enough times to where it was well. This is fucking easy. Nothing's gonna go wrong, and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I bought thousands and th- hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of experience. Is what I got yeah. out of that, you know. Hundred percent. You have to just extract the positive. You know, well, that was an experience. That's all you can do, bro. <laughs> at the end, like I, I wallowed in it for like three or four days. But the truth is, I went to MDM and I listened. And I, I don't, I'll, I'll name drop in here, whatever. But we, you know, Bobby Castro was on stage mm-hmm. and he's talking about um, distractions and how he was building his comp. He was working on this company and he kept getting distracted with yeah. other shit. Yeah. And when he decided to to push his distractions to the side and work on his main thing, that's when it really started to sprout and grow. Mm-hmm. And that shit hit me like a left hook, bro. I sat there. I said, it's, and I'll tell you a funny story. I was taking notes on my phone during the event. And so early in the event, like the first day I had, was writing notes about things I could apply to my barbecue business. Mm-hmm. I about day two, when he came on stage, I wrote in there, I got to shut this shit down. So in within a two or three day period, I went from, okay, this could really help this company because I'm still thinking in my mind, I got to keep this thing going. Like these are things I can apply. Mm-hmm. And then he said that shit. And like I said, man, he it was like the knockout blow. Literally, yeah. as he said it, I typed, when I go home, I have to close it down. And when I went home the next day, not next day, but when I f- dropped into town the same night I flew home, I called my partner. I said, listen, bro. And we're really close friends. Like he's, you know, we started having our problems just because financially things get weird. But I was like, bro, I love you. I can't do it anymore. I'm out. Just mm-hmm. like that. Like I didn't, I, I don't care about the money. I don't, I don't even want to recoup it. I don't even want to talk about recouping. It's done. It's gone. It's spent. Right. right. My mind was spent. I'm fucking over it. And now I'm going to go focus over here. And since I focused over here, in the last few months, we I don't even know how much we've sold, but I mean the, the company's taking off and that's the way it should be. So now my focus is one hundred and ten percent um on my, my my boiler business. I mean, I'm doing other stuff on the side, but small stuff, nothing like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, no big businesses or anything like that. So it, it's funny because that was that was the exact event and the exact speaker that was the final nail in the coffin of my of my real estate company. It was the final, you know what? I've got to step out of real estate because it's distracting me from being the small business surgeon. Um, it was that same speaker at that same event, man. So I, I didn't know we had that in common, but yeah, what a catalyst. That, that, <laughs> you know what, man? Who better to listen to than a dude who sold a business for a billion fucking dollars? Like, I'm listening to you all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and thank, thankfully, we got a chance to, to have a lunch with him uh, in, in the group that we're in mm-hmm. for an hour. And I got a couple of questions to ask him and, Dude's just super genuine and just hit me really hard, man. But you know what? I'm sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people you probably speak to, too. I mean, um, that just takes sometimes that one, you know, lesson or that one person or that one phrase you hear that just spins your whole head around and you have to make changes. You know what I mean? I just kept sinking money in. And you know what I also didn't realize is the energy. You know, I'm a big energy person and I don't yeah. like people in my in my world, in my circle that suck the energy out of mm-hmm. me. I like people, you know, we always talk about pouring from a cup. Yeah. And so I started pouring from an empty fucking cup because I love giving back to people. I love helping others. I love being 
the catalyst for others to start shit and feel it's possible to fucking make life happen. But this business was just sucking me dry. And I, I don't, I don't want depressing is not the word I, I didn't get there, but it's like, you know, you start to feel really down on yourself and it's real easy to lose yourself a little bit, but I've done so much work on my mentals that I'm like, I can't let this happen. I got to shut this down. It's not even worth it to me anymore. I'm, I'm losing myself here. And it was hurting my relationships. It was hurting my relationships at home. It was hurting my friendship mm-hmm. with the guy I was partnered with. And yeah, man, Bobby Castro, bro, will be forever cemented in my mind as the guy who turned it all around for me in my head. So, no, that's uh, that, that that's really poignant, man. Because you you cannot commit to one thing while you're trying to do seven hundred other things. You just you can't make anything good. And if your baby is the burner business or the boiler business and that's what's mm-hmm. paying the bills and that's what's taking care of the bread and butter then you have to take care of that first and it's so easy to get off track man especially when the business is capable of doing way more mm-hmm. no it's not like i hit a ceiling and i'm like all right well this is it no i mean we're just we're just scratching the fucking surface yeah that's the sad part like all my money i could ever make in my life could be in this business and then when I'm situated and my money's right, then I can invest in this more silent partner-ish, you know? Right, right. With, Where I don't have to touch it anymore, and yeah, it pays me back dividends, and you've that's got it. that experience that you can counsel those guys with, and you can say, hey, when I tried this before, here's what happened, you know? Right. So, so. talking to new guys coming up, as now a little bit of a elder statesman of the entrepreneur community, as am I, I mean, no harm by that, What's the biggest mistake you see uh, the new guys making as they come up? And the second part of that question, what should they do, do you think, to avoid that mistake? I mean, I think I, t- I think I touched on it a little bit. I think the truth is, you know, be educated in what you're doing and understand that, you know, it, we live in a very tough world right now. You know, as much as I, I say how important social media is, it's very easy to get distracted by the simple fact that it, everybody makes you feel like they're killing it. Yeah. And the truth is 99 to 98, 98, 99% of those people are full of shit. And That's so very true. the truth is you have one fucking opportunity to make this thing happen. And you need to just focus on what the fuck you're doing. And take it one step at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't spend what you don't have. Be smart and operate at a, a specific pace. Don't have to speed through the process. Take it one step at a time. Be very dialed in. Be very precise in what you're doing. Listen, you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you could speak this. Like, we all make mistakes. We all do it, pal. Yeah. You know, and but don't make sure your mistakes are ones that don't end in catastrophe you know what i mean you're gonna make decisions that don't work in your favor but um make sure they're not like catastrophic decisions (laughs) and if you get an opportunity that comes in front of you or if you if you make a mistake it can end really badly just be sure when you step into it you're gonna have some sort of success on the other side of it it's very important because you can just as fast as things can grow things can be taken away oh yeah so you just got to ease your way into it. And, and you know, listen, every, every, if anybody in here listens to Andy Priscilla at all, right? Mm-hmm. My man didn't make really any money for like 10 years in his business. Yeah, now he's an uber successful person. But every, everything in our life now, people want instant gratification. And the truth is, instant gratification is shit. Does it happen? 
could you start a company tomorrow and within a few months it blows up yeah it does happen but that's like winning the lottery the truth is mm -hmm. it's going to take time to build it's going to take time to build your brand it's going to take time to build it to where you can live the life that you see all around you so just be patient patience is a big one for me and don't get too ahead of yourself it's very easy to get ahead of yourself and 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 get caught up in the in the race just That's focus some, on your own shit some sage advice man definitely comes from a place of experience thank you for sharing that and thank you for sharing the barbecue sauce uh the barbecue rub story as well that was uh I know that was wasn't a, a a nice pill for you to have to swallow going through all that and and me. I, well, you know, I, I got I got to I got to watch it from a distance, you know, and I was kind of like, man, that that really sucks, because um, there wasn't there wasn't much I could do from from down here on it, and it, it, yeah, it really did suck. But uh, let's move on with the interview. I got a few more questions before I get you sure. out of here, Greg. Shoot, um, I am a huge proponent of continuing education. Um, what are some great books that you have read recently or in a not too distant past that you think you should uh, share with the audience? Hmm. I mean, I read so many. I've read, uh, I think, one really good one, Relentless mm -hmm. by Tim Grover is a yeah, great yeah, yeah. one. Um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins is another one that really to help me turn things around in my life. Um, you just realize... You know, when you think you're going through it bad, that there's always somebody out there that goes through it worse. And not only that, just the baddest motherfucker on the planet, in my opinion. So it just goes to show you we all have it in us that we could just be great. Everybody, that you know, that's the funny thing, bro. Like, it took me a long time to realize this, and it's hard for people because you get so down on yourself. But when every fucking person alive, the fact that you're alive and you're breathing and you're healthy... You have an opportunity to be great and greatness is in all of us. You just have to see it. And that's the problem. People like you and I who went through a lot of shit, we can sometimes see it in other people and it gets frustrating because you're like, fuck, man, I see greatness in you and you don't see it in yourself. Like, yep. I just want to slap you upside the fucking head and tell you, you got it. Mm -hmm. You fucking got it. You just got to dial into it. But yeah, anyway, side note. <laughs> Dude, I got another side note for your side note. You got to meet you get to meet Goggins. Did you yeah. meet him at the Apex events? Mm -hmm. You got a, you got a picture with him, right? Yep. So uh, I got I got a picture with him. Uh, <laughs> it's stuck to the front of my fridge, and so every time on seventy five hard, I thought I might go and uh, get a little bit off track there. I'd have to see the fridge. I had to see the picture of me and David Goggins. And think, man, David Goggins would kick my ass if I ate my kids' candy right now. And uh, sure. that's how I did it for 75 days. It was a picture of David Goggins scaring the shit out of me on the front of my fridge. Cookie jar, bro. <laughs> cookie jar. That's me in the gym. Yeah. Reaching the cookie jar. You heard the cookie jar story. Mm -hmm. It's like there's always another level you can go. And there's we're always, bro, that's what we are as human beings. I don't know if it's just the way generationally it is, but we're so quick to tell, our, tell ourselves a bunch of bullshit. So... Fuck that, man. We yeah. all got it. You just, what are you willing to do? It's a sacrifice, bro. Entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is a sacrifice. Yeah. It is. Yeah, like I literally was having a phone conversation with somebody yesterday, and the truth is, my even my wife called me out on it. She goes, you need to give yourself more credit. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, every day you, you do this, you do that, you do this, everything mm -hmm. for your business. You never, you're like nonstop. And so even when I sit down on the fucking couch for 10, 20 minutes, hour to watch TV with her, I almost feel bad. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's more shit I could do. 
Mush- yo. <laughs> and you, you don't you don't see that greatness in you, do you? Um, I you see. You know, man, I I I'll be honest with you. I'm humble as fuck, but I can see the fact that I came from where I came from to where I am now, and I give myself that credit. But when it comes to the business, like when you know there's more shit you could be doing to move your company along, it becomes more of an addiction and a, and, and a necessity to get yeah. it done. You know what I mean? And, you know, based off of what we were just talking about earlier, you know, going back to your listeners, like the truth is, I said to you how easy it is to lose it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if I feel like if I don't put in that extra effort, when I know I could probably ease off and do it tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? It's not like anything that's imminent. But it's like, man, if I don't put this time in, this shit could be gone before I, I could blink and it could be over. So I don't want that to happen. So it's like it just becomes a part of you. And, you know, I'm sure you hear most people that we talk about it like this, you know, and then and then we don't pat ourselves on the back because we're just stuck in it all the time. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but this is an experience I have and I'll make it quick. No, no, no go ahead. When you're in it and you're in it and you're in it and you're in it, you're just fucking in it all the time. And when you actually do take that moment, like I I make sure I make time with my wife and my family that I sit and let's say her and I watch a show together and we just like really shut my brain down. Like I'll fucking smoke something and I'll go sit down and I'll chill. Mm -hmm. Oh man, you don't even realize till that moment how heavy all of this stuff is on you. It's not a negative. It's just like you've been moving and moving and moving and moving and moving and And you finally like all right i'm shutting this shit off i gotta stop and you don't realize how how deep in it you are you know what i mean it's crazy when you actually get a chance to take a step back and look at it but it's really beautiful man i love it i'll be honest with you it's it's become a passion so i don't think i could do anything else i don't (laughs) me neither bro if i had to work for somebody now i i don't know man i'd figure something out there's no way so so when is your book getting published when are you writing a book what's going on with that i'm writing it now actually um the first edits are completed um i would say probably within the next four to five months no, probably a little less than that I'm, I'm i'm overshooting the runway but i don't want to put my foot in my mouth uh, so what's, but what's it about tell us about it it's basically my journey man it's uh you know more or less start to finish it really takes place uh from the time i was out of my house to, to pretty much now you know it's mm-hmm. just been about you know, the day I got kicked out and at such a young age and I had about $20 in my pocket and just that whole struggle to figure out, you know, where to live and how to make money. You know, that's funny because you're talking about small business and all that stuff, but, you know, figuring out and and and, and navigating the world and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to pay my bills. And, and it was a fucking, it was, that's how I got into selling drugs, bro. I'll be honest, like I, I, I had a hard time finding jobs and when I was real young, I was doing construction as, and I was getting like $80 cash a day. Imagine that bro, like $80 mm-hmm. trying to live off $80 a day cash. I wasn't even like, I don't know, man, I hope the IRS isn't listening, but you know, there are a lot of years that I just worked off the books. I don't think I paid taxes for a little while, but that's besides the point. I've paid my fair share now, so leave me alone. But yeah. um, yeah, it's just been, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it's about. I, it's, it's kind of just about me and, and. I put a lot of um, uh, action items in there to help, mm-hmm. you know, in each chapter. So it's going to be an educational book, but it's also going to be a story about how I got from point A to point B and, you know, beyond. Yeah, that's pretty exciting, man. I'm sure it'll hit the hit bestseller in the entrepreneurs. And uh, you, you're backing that up with your podcast as well. Before I let you go, talk to me just a minute about the Traded Life podcast. 
You know, it's interesting. I started it because uh, I was going to talk to tradesmen um, only, but the truth is I, we kind of left the um, we left it kind of open-ended, right? Because that's kind of where I come from. I come from a place of not coming from nothing to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So I, we talk about, we don't, we talk about business, but it's kind of, it's kind of like whatever subjects, you know what I mean? And for the most part, we talk about how people went through struggles to get to where they are now. And I'm a, I, that's what I'm really big on. I mean, to, between you, me and the listeners on the side right now, I have a project going on where I'm going to start um, doing kind of mindset coaching, but um, helping people get through like struggles to get mm-hmm. through the struggles that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of all wrapped into one thing, you know, the podcast, the book. And um, yeah, man, we just kind of, we touch on a lot of shit. I just like to have fun on there, but I really like to dig into people's like how they got to where they are and how they started their companies or Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it is that they're doing. And we just get into stories. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, you already know you've been doing this for a little while, man. Podcasting is such a fucking good time. And it is. I love interviewing people and getting into this. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I kind of like, try to do my best to talk to people about things that you'd never heard of before, like mm-hmm. almost like a Howard Sternish, you know what I mean? Like a oh, different right. angle. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like you know, people go on podcasts, is generally the same conversations. You know, yes, it's with different people, but um, I just like to get into some of the other stuff, you know what I mean? But yeah, man, it's All good right. times. I love it. So we'll do uh, we'll do aliens and conspiracies next time, then yeah. Perfect. Let's do it. I'm all about conspiracies, bro. I go deep on that. Well, you should listen to today's Friday Fire. You might enjoy it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I think, man, I've got to wrap this up because I've got a uh, I've got a three uh, a three thirty appointment that I got to get to now. Before oh, I go though, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you on social media and where they can follow along with you and with your podcast. Um, and my social medias are just Greg Michaelman. It's G R E G M I C H E L M A N. It's Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm on TikTok too, but whatever. Um, mainly <laughs> I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And uh-huh. um, the podcast is on pretty much all the major. You can find it on Spotify, uh, Apple, and I think it's on Amazon too. I got to double check that, but uh, both uh, uh, Spotify and Apple, I'm on there. Right on. Traded life. We will throw links to those in the show notes, the Traded Life podcast. Go and uh, check that out. Uh, Greg, my man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories with us, uh, especially the more challenging ones. I really appreciate the insight and you opening up to the audience. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on, man. It was a good time, bro. It's been my pleasure. Guys, that was Greg Michaelman. Please do me a favor. Run over. Check out his socials. We'll drop the links in the show notes. Show him some love, and you can tag him on Instagram. You can tag me as well, at Small Business Surgeon. And uh, as always, guys, I've really enjoyed you being here. Greg, thanks again for coming on, my man. I really appreciate it. And uh, guys, I will see you all uh, later in the week with another episode of Friday Fire. You'll be good, and stay safe. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. Thank you.
The small business surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.